we're not here to talk about that. Nah. All right. All right. Let's, all right. Let's jump into this. Hello and welcome to the fourth week of Mouse Madness. I'm your host, Nicholas Heaney, a.k.a. Irish Husky. I'm joined here today by my two good friends. Uh, reintroduce yourselves, guys. I'm Wesley Hunt, alias Dr. W on various media platforms. I am Carrick and Namnet, alias Raccoon Bro, and I'm also here. Yes, you are, and I'm glad to have you. All right. So, last week was probably the most interesting week we've seen in terms of voting. Uh, there were no unanimous decisions, quite a few close calls, nearly had a tiebreaker. And I had the feeling going into this week it wasn't going to be quite as interesting, and uh, I ended up being proven right, but to what extent, that's left to be determined. So let's give a quick reminder of what this week's matchups were. Our first matchup, we had Frozen versus Sword in the Stone. We also had Cinderella versus Dinosaur. And finally, Winnie the Pooh 2011 versus the Fox and the Hound. I am very curious about this one. Interesting uh, matchups this week. Yeah. Started, I ended up watching uh, three movies in advance for preparation for this week, which uh, is not norm- which is not normal for me because I usually only watch films like once a week because uh, I end up being preoccupied with other things. but I ended up watching three specifically so I could have things to talk about. Cool. Cool. glad to uh, see you're committed. That was uh, Sword in the Stone. Dinosaur and Winnie the Pooh, because I had never seen any of those movies, nice. uh, with the exception of Sword in the Stone, which I had seen as a kid, but I completely forgot all about it. All right, so one in each, uh, one in each bracket. Nice spread. So, our first matchup: Frozen versus the Sword in the Stone. Um, now you had mentioned to me before, Wesley, that. Uh, that you are actually going with Sword in the Stone on this one. I'm, I'm like one of the fans of this movie. It was my grandma's favorite Disney movie. It was something I watched quite a bit as a kid. I kind of like the songs. I like Merlin and Archimedes. I think it's one of the funnier Disney movies. I can see why people don't like it. It's a bit dry and a bit less adventurous than the rest of Disney's affair. But in terms of what it is as a laid-back comedy, I can kind of appreciate it. Uh, so, like I said before, Sword in the Stone is one of the movies that I watched in advance for this. I showed clips of it to me and my class or when I was in fourth grade. We were studying medieval stuff, including how the knighting system worked and Barrett's and all that and how to be a squire. So we watched clips from the movie to like get an idea of that, such as like in the scenes where he's getting uh, you know, yelled at by his superior and saying like, that's four demerits. And like they taught us what demerits are and stuff like that. So for the most part, I was going into this one completely blind because like that had been so long ago. And my, I'm a little torn on this one. I'm not going to lie because there are some things that Mike West said are genuinely enjoyable about this. Like, uh, 
Merlin and Archimedes, those, those, I really like those two as characters. They're very entertaining. Uh, and the music, uh, especially the instrumental stuff, like when he's doing the spells, such as the scene where he's washing the dishes. Like, Oh, yeah, it, that's so catchy. There are so many, like, bopping tunes in this yeah. movie. I yeah. freaking love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of on the same boat as you, uh, Carrick. A um, little torn on this one, because... Uh, I can I can see why people would like this one. There is a lot of comedy here, uh, especially with uh, Merlin and Archimedes. The more, uh, I th- I- the more I think about it, the more I feel like that's pretty much all this movie has to offer, at least on my viewing. As far as the actual story is going, it feels really disjointed and disconnected. Yeah, one of my biggest problems with this movie is that uh, the whole journey with Arthur is about him, you know, being educated by Merlin and learning the benefits of brain over brawn. And I like that. That's good. But they don't really do a very good job of tying it into him becoming king. Like, oh, you know how to swim as a fish. Our king of England. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, that's like that's my biggest that's my biggest problem. There's just no real connection between what Arthur's learning and when he becomes king. If anything, the fact that he's seems to be rejecting Merlin's studies by becoming a squire anyway is what leads him to the sword to begin with. Yeah, it's a little it's a little hard to understand what they were going for like, there. Like what I don't understand is the sword is mentioned in the prologue and doesn't even make an appearance or even another mention until the last five minutes. And then the crazy thing is after um, he does pull the sword out and becomes king and Merlin like comes back from the 20th century and and they tell a pretty funny joke there like, ah, 20th century, who needs it? Uh, Great movie out of you. Yeah. So I, they ended the movie there. I was like, well, wait a minute, the story was just getting started. Why are you ending the movie now? <laughs> this is the interesting part. I want to see him like form the round table and all that. Like this was this is what the movie should have been. Yeah, I feel like there could have been grounds for a sequel because this is ba- another one that's based on a series. It's Once in Future King by T. H. White. And it would be sort of a coming of age tale for Arthur, at least in the book. Yeah. Uh, I'll say th- I'll say this for uh, Arthur, uh, whoever voices him really got uh, really na- managed to nail down that impression of a young boy who is clearly on the onset of puberty. Quiet, well, yes. His voice is so inconsistent throughout yeah. the entire movie, and I was like so confused, like. I- multiple times i thought to myself did he have like three different voice actors like what is going on there were some points where like they put some sort of weird electronic filter over him and he just sounded like a, a robot for no you see, your voice does crack during puberty i know for <laughs> why did they put a filter over him i don't i do not I don't understand, but I mean, at the, very, at the very least, it does give that kind of authenticity to it. I guess. Right. There are also a bunch of scenes in this movie that really bother me, like, just, like, purely from, like, why would they include that? This is so upsetting. Like, the scene where he 
transforms back into a human after like the late the girl squirrel is like you know in love with him but then like there's a great meme though involving the screaming squirrel oh what what meme when merlin changes back and the squirrel screams that's (laughs) that no when when uh, arthur changes back into a boy like the girl squirrel is like really sad and crying and like they never address that or like ever again it's like they hold on that shot of her just crying for so long too pull some punches disney what the heck right yeah that was Um, i did did really like the uh madam mim fight scene oh yeah madam mim i liked i loved the resolution where (laughs) merlin turns into a bacteria and just gets her sick yeah, because like, uh, I guess bacteria isn't really considered an animal, though, is it? It's its own kingdom. Oh yeah, he, he cheated by turning into a dragon, so he decided to cheat right back. That was really really good. Yeah, yeah, uh, but Rowan also emphasized the defense over offense strategy with the crab and the goat and the ones that could hold their own. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh. Part where he turned into a seal and like just fell on top of her. <laughs> very, very creative visuals like when there. She, when she turned into an elephant and then he turned into a mouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice, nice little touches with the comedy. I can see why it might have its fans, but for me, yeah. uh, just the fact that the story doesn't seem to really amount to anything, uh, the fact that it just kind of stops instead of ending. That, that is kind of a deal-breaker for me. It's not the worst one I've seen, but I probably wouldn't go back to it. This was the last film to be completed within Walt's lifetime. He did oversee Jungle Book, but this was the last one he got to see release. Aw. Uh, and, yeah, I was, it's sad to think about, but uh, eh, what are you going to do? Because... Uh, uh, at least um, this film did give us um, one very classic meme face of when Arthur finds out that Merlin is a wizard and he's just got like this look of oh! <laughs> on, his, on his eyes like, like I, I can see forever yeah alright so it, that was the 11 seed it's competitor the 6 seed Frozen Interesting this is a 6 because this was the highest grossing one of them all. The only one that beat it is the sequel. <laughs> yeah, it'll do that. I think uh, do. I think the only other one to break a billion was Zootopia. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. this was the juggernaut. I kind of was not a fan of it when it first came out. They had all the merch, all the, all the craziness. And, yeah, it was... And um, they, overplayed the what i thought was easily the worst song in the movie yeah it it was definitely inescapable uh fun fact first time i saw this uh was when it was in theaters january 2014 um all the schools in my area were closed because of the polar vortex same so there was basically no better time to watch it (laughs) 
Yeah, and I went to Magfest that year also, and we were like, gosh, dang it, Elsa, stop thinking it's snow. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, I think oh my God. That, the, end of my, the end of my senior year, in the middle of May in Chicago, my physics class was going to go to Six Flags, Great America, and it started snowing while we were waiting for the buses to come. Uh, I yeah, mean, well, you're the lake. well, you're near the lake, so... Yeah. I mean... It, it managed to stop in time, but still, the middle of May. I don't care if we are getting lake effect, it should not be that cold. This is inexcusable. Like, damn it, Elsa, you've had your run. Just just let it go. Right, but as of this, my opinion over the years has kind of softened. I've grown to like Olaf, I've grown to like Anna. Elsa, not so much. She seems a bit more like a plot device than anything. Here's the thing. Uh, I think I'm of uh, opposite opinion with you, Wes. Like when it first came out, I really, really, really liked it. Like everything about it. And but every time I wa- rewatch it, my opinion starts to get more and more lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, will say this though. I did like Olaf's Frozen Adventure. I didn't see Coco in theaters, so I saw the short in isolation. I thought Frozen Adventure was kind of cute. That's cute. How fitting that you watch it in isolation, since that's a big theme of this movie. Yeah, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum of uh, Carrick here, because when I saw it for the first time, I kind of liked it. And then kind of didn't like it eh, once the overplay started really sinking in. And having been about five years since I've even thought about this movie, uh, watching it for the first time in a long time, I actually ended up liking it a lot more than I did the first time. Yeah, I, I will say, like, go aside, I kind of like In Summer, but I really like the opening number. That one gets the blood boiling. Yeah, the, uh, the ice song? Yeah, it's the manly version of Whistle While You Work. <laughs> it's a really cool shanty, and it's, like, strange that it's about cutting ice, of all things. Like, yeah, let cut some ice! There's one lyric, though, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, where they're saying, like, uh, stronger than a hundred men! But it, like, shows, like, just one guy still cutting the ice. Or only take one guy to cut the ice. Although certain types of ice can be pretty strong, you just go to Finland, they built a whole ice hotel. Oh, that's oh, crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that first scene uh, confuses... It's one of my first problems with the movie, is that... Uh, they over-explain some things, but don't exp- explain enough for other things. Like, for example, when it comes to Kristoff, I don't understand what he was doing there and how he was there. Like, was he being chaperoned? Or <laughs> and he was being, It was clear that he was being taken in by the trolls in that scene. So right. was he just on his own? Did he just happen to have a pet reindeer? Uh, not, not really sure. Personally, I've never given much, never given much thought to uh, these kinds of backs, these kinds of backstories, and it only lasts for a few minutes at the beginning. He doesn't even come back until halfway through. Uh, until yeah. the massive time jump. Right. So it doesn't really matter that much, but yeah, it's just like an example of one of my problems yeah. is that it feels like they gloss over things. Yeah, one like one like one element of the movie I know a lot of people have problems with is uh, the way that the parents reacted to uh, 
Elsa losing control of her powers, and just the way that they handled that was absolutely the wrong way to go. <laughs> right, just send her to X Men to Xavier School. That would be for youngsters. Yeah, yeah, because um, it's like every everything that happens in the latter part of the film, in terms of you know Elsa freezing everything, and then. When she finds out what she'd done, she isolates herself even more, uh, just ends up making things worse. She really needed to learn how to rein in that fear, control her emotions, and gee, if only there were two people in her life who could have taught her how to do that. That actually makes Let It Go kind of ironic, because she's just tolling it up even more. Yeah, think about, like, Let It Go... She's she's completely unbound by fear now. As far as she's concerned, she can't really go back to her kingdom. Um, she's pretty much, you know, exiled herself. She just doesn't know what to what extent yet. But as far as she's concerned, she doesn't have to worry about hurting anyone or anything. And I think that's a big part of where Let It Go, you know, gets its power. It's letting go of these... No emotional restraints that were holding her back, and it allows her to flourish. Right. I guess you're kind of right, but I still find it ironic. It's a song about breaking out of isolation, only to isolate. <laughs> yeah, I think of it as like a like a new fresh start. Like she's she's gonna create a whole army of snowmen. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I really think they should have Elsa as a villain for this story, because in context, the song "Let It Go." does not sound like an uplifting, like, uh, real empowering song. It sounds like the origin of a villain, you know? Yeah, the show, which this draws inspiration from, Defying Gravity, is just that, the origin of the Wicked Witch. And it's presented completely straight as this is the start of villainy. I just, I don't understand, I don't understand why they would change that, because... All it does is hurt the story because now you got two different like you got two different villains now. Uh, Elsa's weird ice powers as well as the Duke, but then they felt the need to throw in another villain who, for no reason other than oh, you bet you didn't see that coming. Oh. And I did see that coming. Hans was pretty well telegraphed. I thought, yeah. like okay, she's with the guy fifty. 15, 20 minutes in, of course this isn't going to work out. Yeah. I'll, and I kind of felt like it was like hmm. Prince Charming from Shrek because <laughs> since I knew how the prince acted in Shrek 2, I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to end well. Yeah, uh, I, will say, I will say this though. Uh, the song Love is an Open Door, it is a BS love song and it is also the love song that Anna and Hans deserved. <laughs> Right, yeah. because it's a song about you know BS love, BS romance, and it turns out to be a phony romance. Oh, so now I get it. When I when I watched this movie a second time, in the scene where he fell in the water and looked to else and looked towards Anna and had uh, a content smile on him, at first I thought it was just him being happy to have met her. But now I know that that smile actually meant I cannot wait to steal her kingdom and possibly kill her sister. That's what it meant all along. 
I, I still think that I still think that smile was you know genuine. It was more in the sense of, holy crap, she's a princess. This is my ticket. <laughs> I, I don't know if he like. I mean, yeah, he he did mention later on that he had plans to stage a little accident for Elsa. So the ulterior motive was always there. But uh, the yeah. Uh, definitely is uh, one of those characters that I don't get the hype for. Uh, I do, I do enjoy Olaf. I will say, I think he's definitely one of the saving graces of this movie. Oh yeah, far, uh, I've been impaled. As far as yeah. so and, uh, fine, you actually get to like him. He doesn't get on your nerves. Yeah. And, uh, hey guys, I don't know if this is gonna help, but I found a set of stairs that leads exactly to where you need to go. <laughs> I'll try to stay out of everyone's way. Oh, hello there. <laughs> so, uh, who's the, so uh, who's the, uh, who's the uh, ugly-looking horse over there? That's, That's Sven. Sven. Mm-hmm. And who's the reindeer? That's Sven. That's Sven. <laughs> oh, this will be easy to remember. <laughs> uh, man, he's so portable. Yeah. Hey, some people are worth melting for. Yeah. Maybe I'll like right the second. <laughs> Who's uh, melting? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I will say this. I do, I think my favorite character in the movie is uh, Anna because I love Anna to death. She yeah, is she's such a she, character. like she is. She's like a constant ray of optimism in a situation where optimism would be really, really hard to grasp for a lot of people because she's being shut out by her sister. She has no idea why, but at the same time, she still has that kind of bubbly personality, you know? And the fact that she's been isolated for so long, it would make sense that she'd want to explore everything in her kingdom and that she would fall for the first guy that she meets. Hans is yeah. just, Hans was really lucky that Anna was so willing to be so open. That's, that's yeah, really Anna's movie. Not a fan of Elsa, but Anna's Anna's fine. She's fine. Yeah. She's a very she's a very adorable uh, protagonist. Yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> that that's that self sacrifice at the end. Look, I know. Whatever you might think about this movie, whatever you might think about Elsa, the scene where she's just breaking down in her sister's frozen state, that scene always gets to me. What if they actually ended the movie there? Oh, <laughs> like it, come, 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 come. What if they actually ended it there? That like, would have been Holy shit, Disney, really? <laughs> I was closing movie and you end with killing the princess. Oh my god! It's just and Anna's just like, I was frozen today. <laughs> the king of the world. I don't care what your argument is or what you've been through. I was literally frozen in a block of ice. So don't fuck to me with your first world BS problems. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, but um, this is another thing where I kind of like a little bit of the supplemental material and some of the other universe for Frozen, particularly the Olaf merch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I th- I think the stuff with uh, the prota- with the protagonists, I think that is enough for me to endorse to endorse the movie. And also, not gonna not gonna be ashamed of this. Let it go is a really good song. 
Mostly just yeah. in context of the movie, though. Because <laughs> well, outside of that context, eh. And, I should you know. One other thing that does bother me about this movie is the fact that Anna has more chemistry with the villain than she does with Kristoff. Hmm. <laughs> like, they spend the entire film just, like, constantly arguing. And But be, according to Hollywood logic, that means that they're, they get together at yeah. the end. <laughs> like, did they? Yes. Oh, yeah, they, they did. Hmm. The end of Frozen 2, I think. Uh, at the end of Frozen, spoilers, they Sorry, spoilers. Yeah. Like, no, they kiss at the end of Frozen. Oh, oh yeah, funny. that is true. So, yeah, like, yeah, maybe they should have just kept that uh, like uh, brother sister type relationship. I think it would have been a lot more fitting. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like if it's the thing, if they kept um, Han not being a twist villain, and like Anna tried to kiss him, it didn't work, and they had to like try and figure out something else, and like the dupe. Like of we Wesselton is trying to kill Elsa, and then like uh, Elsa's act of love ends up uh, saving Anna. I feel like that would have been a, a supplemental way of giving out the message, like uh, love at first sight isn't real. And then like maybe Hans and uh, Anna would have been like, yeah, let's take it a little slower from here on out. We were rushing into it. Like I feel like that would have probably made a bit more sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it does. I think it does play well into, you know, not. You know, being somewhat cautious when meeting new people, you know, don't just jump to it because you never, you never know. Like uh, in 2013, when social media is growing ever more, I think that's a, I think it's a good message to send out to kids. It really does show the danger of just jumping at the first person to, you know, show any kind of affection, which again wouldn't have been a problem if uh, Elsa hadn't isolated herself, which itself wouldn't have been a problem if. She had been taught how to actually control her powers. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Right. Oh, the, the parents are really awful. They deserve to die. I'm just yeah. not a fan of twist villains that are completely like 180 different characters when, yeah. when you find out that they're a villain. Yeah. If you ask me, uh, Turbo was a lot better in that regard. Because he, yes. he was never really a protagonist. He was always kind of shady. The Nail. twist was that he was terrible. <laughs> like, like someone's mentioned that he's not a twist villain; he's a villain with a twist. I like that. Yeah. I I think King Candy is a because uh, he's entertaining in his own right, but then the twist about him is not only like something that you didn't necessarily see coming, but it also ties into Ralph's story and like the as sort of a cautionary tale of what he could have become. If he, you know, went turbo. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Frozen, it's a solid 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'm with Carrick on this one. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a little, I'm a little kinder to this than you guys are. I, I can't help it. I just get sucked into it. But, and that's fair. I totally get that. Yeah, but let's see what the people thought. Okay, Frozen, 8. Sword in the Stone, 5. Oh, wow. Yeah. How many of those votes were just despite Frozen, though? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've actually seen Sword in the Stone. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, 
But it's even though it's yeah. closer than I thought it would be. Same here. Frozen. Frozen may not be one of my favorite Disney movies, but it's I still think it's better than Sword in the Stone. Yeah, so oh, no offense, Wes. None taken again, I can respect that. Alright. Yeah, we yeah. we covered a lot of ground with that one. Yeah. That's, yeah, well, it's Frozen, which was once the highest grossing anime movie yeah. of all time. There that's was the, a lot to cover. Yeah, that, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of these uh big hits or uh all time classics. And speaking of all time classics, let's move on to our next bracket. We have the three seed versus the fourteen seed. Cinderella versus Dinosaur. Mm, yeah, uh, Dinosaur is one of the movies that I watched in preparation for this. Yeah, i I'd seen I'd seen the trailer, the first five minutes, unbelievable, gave me goosebumps, gave right. me goosebumps when I watched the movie itself. Yeah, and James Newton Howard's score, yeah, like. Th- it's magnificent. Yeah, James like, Newton Howard never phones it in. He hasn't. He's done a lot of bad movies like Last Airbender, but his score is <laughs> always a one. I'll I'll give him that. Like this movie is. It sounds amazing, visually. You know when they're actually when they actually want to put emphasis on backgrounds and visuals, it looks really good. Yeah, and fun except fact, for the back- except. Except for parts of the meteor shower scene, uh, some of that looked uh, really tacky. Yeah, yeah, and the backgrounds to this are photographed. They were filmed on the location, and they digitized the characters in. So this did the stick of the Lion King remake 19 years prior. Yeah. Why is the Lion King remake not considered a part of the Disney animated canon? Probably because there's already an original Lion King. Yeah, I don't know. There's a remake canon now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess you're right, but uh, I, w- I think uh, the use of backgrounds here, absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. And it gives me, I know this is going to sound uh, in context, but it gives me Amazing World of Gumball vibes with the, the use of uh, photographic backgrounds and the animated characters because it just sometimes it feels very seamless and like they actually belong there other right. times not so much yeah. Yeah. and a little fun fact that this was actually image movers digital which was merged with disney shortly after this was made mm. and it wasn't actually considered canon until fairly recently in Europe, they have this other film, The Wild, take its place in the canon. Uh, I remember oh, seeing ads yeah. for The Wild. Yeah, but but since we are running this from America, we're using the American list. So, Dinosaur yes. remains. I still think, out of all the Disney movies, Dinosaur probably feels like the most out of place. Like, in terms of what the other Disney movies feel as, like aesthetically. Yeah. Right, this is sort of like the odd one out. It's also one of three uh, Disney animated canon films released in the year 2000. Yeah, and right. I think Fantasia 2000 had a limited run in 99. Did it? Yeah. Well, regardless... But- uh, but anyway, get, I feel like this is a into... good tech demo, but it would have been better off if the dinosaurs didn't talk. 
Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, they were going to make this a silent movie, but. Oh. Uh, okay, I I completely misheard that. <laughs> I thought you said didn't fuck. <laughs> didn't fuck. Uh, Talk. Yeah. Yeah. I got okay. so scared. <laughs> okay. Let's, Sorry, blame I'll, my mic. Yeah. I'll say I'll say this about the movie uh, story and the characters. They're competent. They're fine. They're functional. It's what you would call a movie. I will say I like how you like the detail of um, one of the like wisecracking monkeys being voiced by the same voice actor for for Daxter from Jack and Daxter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like that's a very. Yeah, I that. It was it was pretty surreal. Like uh, that's a very fitting casting choice, so wait, I appreciate it. Was that the was that the love monkey? Yes, that one. He has the same voice actor as Daxter. Oh my god, that that makes so much sense. Very fitting. Yeah, I recognized that when I played Jack and Daxter first time. I was like, wait a minute, I know this voice. It's a really good voice, and I'm glad yeah. Disney realized that. It is. It is a good voice. Even though, even if like the character isn't written all that well, like I could appreciate the good voice acting. Yeah. Yeah, so th- there's this whole thing about, you know, the main character, uh, Alator, I think his name? Alator. Alator. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, he grows, like, he grows up uh, raised by lemurs. Hmm? And uh, then once the meteor hits, you know, he's forced into the land with other dinosaurs. And I noticed there's there's like no real moment in this movie where he's, you know, trying to understand, you know, where he belongs or where he is. And it does seem like in those early scenes, he is fully aware that he is a dinosaur or at the very least not a lemur. And it just has no effect on him. Like no, no identity crisis whatsoever. Um, Now that I'm saying this out loud, that feels like a, Actually, seems like kind of an interesting touch that they don't really dwell on it. But at the same yeah, like t- at the same time, I kind of wonder why they put him in this setting to begin with. Maybe just to make him feel more out of place with the dinosaurs traveling across the desert, more isolated, and so he could survive the meteor shower. We never get any scenes like in Ice Age uh, two, where you know, uh, I forget what the girl mammoth's name is Ellie. where like she Ellie yeah where she's acting like a possum because she was raised by possums mm. never get any scenes like that where Aladar is acting like a lemur but I guess that makes sense like from a like animal instinct standpoint so mm. I guess that it, yeah that is sort of a nice yeah. touch yeah it's like and when you think about it there is no reason that a mammoth would ever think that they're a lemur or a possum because they're clearly not right <laughs> What? Bitch, what you trying to pull? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I not, never not a whole before. not a whole lot to talk about in terms of uh, the story because it's it's nothing it's, it's, it's as pretty bare bones as it can get. No real twists and turns. Kind of like basically every dinosaur movie ever made. Yeah, like, I, like, I guess I like the old lady dinosaurs, sort of like they're yeah, they're, they're, they're nice. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Like the one leader, uh, Brutar, I think it was. The like, one who turned nine. 
Yeah, the one who got se- who got separated after the uh, Carnotaur attack. Yeah. The one who turned knife and then immediately got killed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Bruton. His name's Bruton. Here we go. Bruton. Okay. Okay, the one who, the one that sound the one that sounds more menacing is the one who has a change of heart. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I love how when he's like, uh, don't you see the weak uh die and the the strong survive that's how it works and the moment he shows weakness he dies <laughs> yeah and, and it's like the it's more like the moment he shows weakness he's like so this is how i die because yeah. <laughs> oh. he actually does he actually does try to fight back the carnotaurs again once they you know yeah. infiltrate the cave yeah, and they wanted to show off the Carnotaur because that was at the time a recent discovery. And of course, you would pick the dinosaur that looks like Satan to represent your antagonist. <laughs> it's the only logical move. That's something. I, I that's a little pet peeve of mine when it comes to movies like these. Like Lion King does this a little bit too, where only some of the animals can talk. Like with um, some of the animals just act like animals, but the other the only the main ones can talk and i don't get why it just it kind of annoys me i think it might have to do with conservation of detail you don't want to have a conversation struck up with everyone i sort of had canon that the other creatures in the herd could talk they just didn't have anything to say yeah i guess it just it's a little uh just a little confusing like, what is the language of these everyone? And why do lemurs speak the same language as dinosaurs? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's a nitpick, I'll admit, but still, it's, it's just one of those things that bothers me. Dinosaurs a decent tech demo. As a movie, it's just eh. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Cinderella. I'll start off by saying I feel like this is kind of like the 1950 or... Disney era version of uh, the Little Mermaid, in that it was the first film to kind of bring Disney out of a uh, somewhat dark era. Um, it's a Disney princess movie. It has a plethora of bad takes surrounding it, and most of all, it's really freaking good. Yeah, and um, Disney oh, wow. basically built their empire on this movie. Snow White might have been the big hit, but Cinderella established the brand. There what is go. it with all these movies that make crap ton of money, like save their you know companies, uh, and meanwhile you've got a whole bunch of people constantly making awful takes that take in no context uh, into account when it comes to these films and when they are released? Like, yeah, that's right. I was gonna say for those just like The Little Mermaid, which has a ton of detractors, a lot of detractors for Cinderella, they're just wrong. Yeah. Just, like, it, she's it, just it, waiting for her Prince Charming. Like, dude, she didn't even care about her Prince Charming until the last third. She was just trying to get away from a, an abusive household. Right. Like, heck, she, watching the same movie? <laughs> she, like, she didn't even want to, you know, marry the prince at first. She didn't even realize that was the prince, or maybe she did. I don't know. She was just, maybe she was just using that as an excuse to get away. Point is, all she really wanted was just one night, one night of happiness where she can get away from Tremaine's uh, wrath and just enjoy herself, you know, live out a fantasy just for one night. And when it all ends, 
she's content. She's okay with that. You know, she doesn't just sit around wondering if her Prince Charming will ever find her. She just keeps that glass, that one glass slipper, just as like a keepsake of that one moment. And when you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably one of the most heartbreaking, um, just emotionally uh, driven, like, uh, motivations. That's always pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it's, the, like, it's the equivalent of Triton destroying uh, Ariel's treasure trove. You know, I just want something they one... worked so hard for, and it's all just taken away by a spiteful parent. It's right. just like Quasimodo from Hunchback. Like all they want is just one day, just one day to feel normal or content with anything. That's all they want, and it's it's so just heartbreaking to watch. Like oh, like they deserve a whole life. Like, all they, deserve, they deserve everything. They're, they just need they're one. So, they're so they pure. They don't deserve this shit. Right? Uh, no. We also say of the original three princesses as characters, Cinderella's probably my favorite. Yeah. She's nice, dependable, she's hard worker, she has a regimen, she's pretty flushed to help. Right. Uh, she, has a, she has a very strong uh, support system with uh, the mice and the birds and Bruno. I was surprised at how much of the movie was about the mice when I rewatched it recently. Yeah, same. I mean, they have, like, they make up a good 30% of the movie, maybe even yeah, more. Yeah, but they're great characters, though, so it's right. nice to see how she has friends and she's not completely alone. Right. Oh, I my feel God, like, now I'm sad again. Her best friend are rodents. Yeah, but I, I did see a funny review that said Tom and Jerry and Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But oh, it, they haven't made I'm surprised they haven't made that crossover yet, seeing as that how fitting that would be. Um, maybe it's too maybe it's too obvious. I guess right. so. And, uh, I guess Tom would be Tom isn't as evil as a cat named Lucifer. <laughs> right. um, I think again, what separates that being jarring or just these these mice segments being out of place is that they are integral to the plot as Cinderella's friends and we get to see them pitch in and try to make the dress which is pretty nice scene right. and actively try to get the key from Lady Tremaine when she locks Cinderella in her room oh yeah that's but, suspense right there yeah I will, I will never understand why people are so hard on the mice scenes and like, uh, it doesn't focus on the main character, therefore it's stupid. Come on, guys. Like, they're, they're all movies have side characters all the time. Like, so many of those Disney movies, especially the older ones, like, what makes them so charming is their ensemble casts. Like, it's not just about the title character. Right. Yeah. If, if anything, the. The side characters are just as, if not even more interesting and fun as, you know, the main characters. And like, I, I think a, that's it's really a sim It's a very symbi symbiotic relationship. Like, really they like play that. off of each other very well. They work individually. And this basically applies to the entirety of the cast, with the exception of the prince. 
again, oh, yeah. <laughs> again, another parallel to The Little Mermaid, where the prince is the least interesting character. But the king, though, that the guy is hilarious. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, he's just trying to ship his son off. He's like, I right. want grandkids, damn it! Yeah, the, uh, his assistant is like, but Sire, this shoe could fit on any number of girls! And the king's like, ah, oh, that's his problem. Ah, uh, pulling out a plot hole, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I appreciated that. I, I always kind of have that head kid and the, the fairy godmother set it up. That does, I would, that does make sense, but I do appreciate whenever... Like, they make a joke about plot holes, like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. Like, I, like how, I like how the king's assistant is just saying, like, pointing out the absurdity of, you know, this random girl walking in, catches the prince's eye, they meet each other, they dance, they live happily ever after. All of all yep. that's happening at the same time. This only yep. happens in fairy tales. Yeah, for 50 50- Disney, this is pretty self-aware. Yeah, yeah Disney's been doing the whole meta thing since 1950. Here's the thing about it. With um, with this movie, I think what separates the meta aspect of this film from, like, more contemporary movies, such as, like, you know, Frozen or Ralph Breaks the Internet, it doesn't feel like it's criticizing or being, like, mean-spirited towards the tropes. It feels like it's having fun with it while at the same time being sincere about it too. And I appreciate that. I because it feels a lot more relatable when you're able to, you know, look at the yeah. absurdity of something, but at the same time, it's still a fairy tale film and they, it's, they roll with it. It's self like it's self awareness without the self deprecation. And yeah. it it's a very nice touch. Itself. Yeah. As much as I like medic humor, I feel like too many movies and shows these days are being far too cynical yeah. to be enjoyable. Uh, I, d- I did notice uh, this movie used a goofy holler. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the scene. Like, uh, it's the scene where the king real the king realizes that uh, the girl got away, but then immediately finds out that you know they still have the glass slipper to use to find her. And at this point, they're like hanging from a chandelier above the king's bed, and when they fall down, you hear that holler. <laughs> it completely <laughs> threw me off guard, and I had to rewatch it again. Surprise! Yeah. The goofy scream hasn't become like the Wilhelm scream of Disney movies. Like they haven't like, found a way to insert it into every movie. <laughs> and it won't be the last time you hear it in this marathon. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I love that scream. Yeah. <laughs> It's so hard to replicate. Yeah, the, uh, the one from the the one from the ski the ski tutorial was the best one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like going back and watching old Tom and Jerry shorts and seeing uh, you know all those classic William ha- William Hanna screams and how they originated. It, it's right. just you know, like very oh wow, this is the birth of memes. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Okay. All right. So one last thing I want to touch on before we get to the scoring. Uh, I recent I recently found heard an audio clip of uh, Bippity Boppity Boo, except Bippity Boppity Boo was was replaced with Poopity Scoop. Poopity Scoop. Poopity Scoop. That fits too well. God. Uh, 
still makes me laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> Unbelievably uh, funny. I will say though, um, in, in defense of the prince, I I haven't seen the movie, but I I I know that uh, apparently they make him a lot more interesting in the sequel. Yeah, in the yeah, third one specifically. Like, the third one. like I will not take another step down these stairs. Okay, and <laughs> jumps out the window. <laughs> the one that's the one clip everybody shares yeah, yeah. the third yeah, movie twist in time is actually pretty good because it's also self-aware without being too detrimental yeah i've heard yeah. that's like considered one of the better disney sequels yeah um, they have a lot of really good voice act i'm looking at the btva page for this and they got a lot of really good voice actors like they got rob paulson as the voice of jacques and the grand duke <laughs> And really? Rusty Taylor is Fairy Godmother. Jennifer Hale is Cinderella. This is a good cast. Wow. That's pretty cool. I might, yeah. actually, I might actually have to check that one out once this marathon oh, is I, over. I also like how um, in Ralph Breaks the Internet, they actually brought Jennifer Hale back to voice uh, Cinderella. Like, that was a nice touch. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, she's been Cinderella since House of Mouth. Yeah. Hey, good on you, Disney. Like, that was, that's a nice uh, touch. I like that. All Disney right. keeps consistent for the most part. All right, so uh, let's get on to the story. Let's get on to the story. Uh, once again, we for Mickey Mouse's though. Right now. Yeah. All right. So once again, we've covered tons of ground here. So uh, let's get on to the scoring. All right, Cinderella got eleven votes. And Dinosaur got none. Oh, wow. That's a blowout. Yeah. And, and again, I throw the term recency bias around a lot because I think people might be more intimately familiar with the movies from the Renaissance on and might have to rewatch some of the older ones. But Cinderella, I feel like, is one that has had that sort of generational appeal to keep it going. That's exactly well, what it, I thought. like thousands of different adaptations. Like... Like the Cinderella stories, they don't stop. Like, there's another one coming out next year. Like, why are there so many Cinderella movies? Uh, and there's there are movies called like another Cinderella story or yet another Cinderella story. Oh God, when will these Cinderella stories stop? That should be that should be a movie. That should, that should be a parody movie. Like, oh my God, when will the Cinderella movies stop? And then DJ Khaled it makes a cameo and he's like another one. Ha. Uh, <laughs> oh god. Uh, Tell me now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to our final matchup for this week. We have the seven seed Winnie the Pooh 2011 versus the ten seed The Fox and the Hound. Yeah, the most intriguing matchup this week. Yes, this is definitely a good one. Uh, not sure how I feel though. Which one do you guys want to start with first? Let's start with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, this is the other one that I've watched very recently. Winnie the Pooh is probably one of the more nostalgic characters for me because the film from the '70s is very imp- important for my childhood. Same. Like I've watched it, I've watched it countless <laughs> times with my parents. And Same. I really grew up with the whole Pooh franchise. There was this. There was the New Adventures. There was Book of Pooh. There were the there was that brief run of movies in the two thousands. 
a lot of the Disney sequels are forced or cashed in on a concept. Pooh is not. It's yeah, sort of like its own mini franchise. Right. Somehow Winnie the Pooh has always kept his integrity, even okay. somewhat, like, debatably, I'll admit. Debate, even debatably with his live-action remake. I've heard, like, I've heard that a uh, live-action movie was uh, actually pretty good. Yeah, it, as far as they right. go, but I haven't seen it, but it looks all right. I, I saw the tra- I saw the trailer for it uh, when I went to see Incredibles two in theaters. I legitimately started tearing up just because of the pure rush of nostalgia and just all the memories associated with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah. it still does one of those. It still does one of those annoying things where. They, they pick and choose which voice actors they want to bring back. Like, for example, they got Jim Cummings as Winnie the Pooh, but at first they had recast somebody as Tigger. Really? Yeah, but apparently uh, test audiences hated the Tigger voice so much that they asked Jim Cummings to overdub the lines. Oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you, had, you guys had Jim Cummings uh, in the studio, so... What were you thinking? <laughs> you could have done it literally any time. Oh, well, it's just like with Frank Welker and Scoob, but uh, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think this might be the shortest non-package film. I, I don't even think it clocks in at an hour. It is bad. Um, only a little bit over 60 minutes, and that's including the end credits. Wow. Right, I'm going to... Okay. I'll include the end credits since, like, it had some animated uh, parts in it. Oh, yeah. Sixty-three. Uh, it's just one minute behind Dumbo. Yikes! Uh, I mean, it's one minute shorter than Dumbo. Yeah. Yes, it is the shortest yeah. non-package film. Hmm, funnily enough, Dumbo was this week's buy film. <laughs> the coinkadink. Yeah, but yeah. as far as this movie goes, it's pretty cute. It features a lot of. Fun words play. Yeah. I cannot not, not make crack up every time. <laughs> oh, I, that's I that's easily my favorite scene. I love I love it when Owl flies out of the hole to inspire Peter yeah. into the woods, and then he just jumps back in, and then rabbits. Owl could have like, flown anyone and, out. Then, uh, then rabbits just like Owl. I can't believe how wonderful that speech was. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, why us out? Uh, and then, and then, uh, oh my god, dude! I had no idea that this movie had songs. Like it was a full musical. The Baxin musical <laughs> number is so fucking good. I oh, love. It's written by the same so people who did Frozen, actually. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. That's that's awesome. And another thing, Kristen Anderson Lopez, one of the writer songwriters for Frozen, did the voice for Kanga. Cool. Um, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of fun songs here. Um, everything is honey. That was a that was a nice little song. Everyone is honey, so I guess I'll eat me. Oh my! It's it's really good hearing all these one. It's so rare seeing uh, a technically theatrical movie, even though you know short length but whatever it's so refreshing seeing all of these talented and what just absolutely wonderful voice actors that i am in love with just 
just be able to go all out and have a chance to shine. I mean, you've got you've got Jim Cummings, you've got Tom Kenny, you got Bud Lucky. You, I mean, you ha- you even have freaking Craig Ferguson uh, as Owl, and he uh, does a surprisingly good job there too. Because Craig Ferguson is a wonderful character actor. You guys might know him as uh, uh, like one of the Vikings in How to Train Your Dragon. I forget yeah. what his name is. Yeah, he had a thing for being in a lot of good, good animated films around the turn of the decade. Uh, oh, yeah. I gotta nice. make sure I get this name correct. Hang on. <laughs> uh, Gobber, yeah, Gobber. Gobber, the yeah, the the one with the prosthetics. <clears throat> one of the one of the, uh, easily one of the best characters in that franchise. Yeah, and he did. And he did pull off a pretty good out voice, and um, they didn't get. And but Lucky was a pretty good substitute for Eeyore. R.I.P. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, isn't it? I think I feel like it's normally Peter Cullen who voices Eeyore. It is normally Peter Cullen ever since Day for Eeyore. Yeah, but, uh, Bud Lucky was really good in this, and I I miss that man. I miss him. So, and I, I was very, I was very uh, surprised that I actually did not know that Tom Kenny was in this movie going in. Yeah, he's uh, rabbit. Yeah, almost like yeah. the original. Yeah. When I heard Rabbit speak, I was like, "Oh my god, is that Tom Kenny?" <laughs> it was such a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he was great. All the cast was great. Not much to say in terms of story. Is not real, not really. And the narrator, John Cleese. John Cleese, yes, love him. Yeah. And oh, I think the best way to um, describe this movie in one word is quaint. Quaint movie that that's here one minute and gone the next. When it is, it's very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. Right. And and because it's short, it's something that you could pop on at any time. Exactly. Right, but you know, screw Disney for, for releasing this the same day as the last Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> so uh, angry about that. Yeah. Like they wanted this to bomb. Yeah, I mean the Pooh the Pooh franchise is still alive, so maybe it wasn't a total bust. But I, I do think more people should see this. Wasn't Just, like a, if if only for, if only for the whole scene. Yeah. At least it wasn't a total failure. Yeah. Like. It, it did make its money back, at least. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I my only complaint is that I does leave me wanting more because, like, we feel like, it feels kind of like a collection of episodes from a Winnie the Pooh sh- TV show. Uh, most of the time, like maybe it if you uh, mm-hmm. like a, almost like a three parter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. Uh, now I'm thinking of. You know, new adventures. Uh, oh, a few years dude. ago, I watched an episode on YouTube just on a whim, and I forgot just how charming and even funny that show was. Like, Pooh, I've been thinking. <laughs> well, that's a very good habit, Piglet. Yeah, Pooh <laughs> can be savage sometimes. <laughs> it seems like he's not being intentional. Yeah. And that's why I love that character so much. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And Oh Bother is basically just... Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I'm gl- glad I saw this one. All right, yeah, Fox too. and the Hound. 
Yeah, this one, this one's one of Disney's heavier movies. Very yeah. surprised. Uh, I, I got, I got to the scene. I got to the scene where the widow has to let Todd go, and I was just crushed. Did you have tissues on hand? Uh, I should have. Yeah, but, uh, but um, they actually toned this a bit down from its source material, the book, which could get pretty brutal and violent. But just the idea of growing apart from people when you get older, about having to having to be friends with someone that others don't approve of, and just the harsh realities of living in nature, that's all pretty here and it's one of disney's most yeah. down movies right yeah Crazy. yeah and that one scene did get me although to be fair i did i had had a couple beers beforehand so i was pretty emotionally vulnerable <laughs> 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 don't don't worry i, I can handle my alcohol <laughs> from the hound is a, a strange one for me oh so? yeah. i I, I did get emotional at that scene, of, of course. Like, wouldn't. But I, I really feel like uh, Todd and Copper don't spend enough time like, hanging out for their, you know, separation to leave much of an impact on me. I've, I feel like that's something that... I know that Disney has a bit of a habit of, um, you know, rushing... Uh, those kinds of relationships a little bit. For example, with The Little Mermaid, uh, they spend like a, a couple days together and fall in love. With Cinderella, like they have one dance together and they fall in love. Yeah. But like, those, those are like kind of uh, fairy tale tropes. It's like those kind of come with it and you, you expect that and you uh, take it. You, you, like you understand why it's there. Like it makes sense in context. But this kind of story, it just... Um, I feel like it kind of it would have benefited a little bit more if they spent more than one day hanging out as friends. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can kind of I can kind of feel that, but I th I kind of excuse it just because you know they're young and impressionable, and with Todd yeah. especially, like probably his earliest memory is his mother getting killed by a hunter. Yeah. yeah, if he can even remember that far back. Yeah. I mean, he was so, you know, right. very, very uh, tragic. Yeah, so I think that's why the parts, you know, where, like, where they do end up against each other don't hit me as hard as the scene where he leaves the widow because he's grown up his whole life with that woman. That's, yeah. That yes. is his rock, his foundation, and he has to leave. He doesn't even know it until they're in the woods. And it's like, oh my god, this poor little buffer just wants his mama. But he can't. It's not yeah, safe there. Hearing her internal monologue, like like reminiscing over all the good times they had, like that was the part that got me going like, oh no. <sighs> like even thinking about it now, it's starting to make me well up a little. <laughs> I'm glad uh, this isn't safe, Cam. I was surprised... Uh, in the first altercation with their grown-up selves, that the dog Chief did not die from that fall from the train track. I thought he died. Like I thought, I, I, thought, I thought he did too. And then it's like, what the hell? He's he's alive. No one I, could ever survive that. 
<laughs> if he was dead, I feel like it, his, um, like the betrayal or, you know, separation between Todd and Copper would have had a little bit more impact. But then you yeah. see him alive and like cracking jokes in the next scene and you're like, what? This, this is not what I thought was being sold to me at all. Yeah. So, um, I, d I did notice uh, in like in his first night in the forest, uh, he lives uh, with a porcupine who's voiced by the original voice actor for Piglet. Yeah, uh, I noticed that. I saw this like scene, right after I'd seen Winnie the Pooh, so that was fresh <laughs> in my mind. Yeah, you ever uh, seen him in 12 Angry Men? It was kind of surreal seeing him there. He was in that, too? Yeah. Did he, that? Yeah. Did he do that same voice? Yes. Oh, oh wow. Hey, that's just his normal voice. That's funny. Oh, uh, I'll, never, I'll never be able to unhear Piglet. Colin Shell is also in this movie, too. Oh, yeah? Who does he voice? The original voice actor for Tigger. I know, he I know but the, in Fox oh, and the Hound. The voice of the woodpecker. Oh, uh, Boomer? Yeah, Boomer. Fitting yeah. name for a woodpecker, because they tap on the on the bar. I think whenever um, he's uh, saying he's saying something to his friends, and when they're, they have to acknowledge him, do you think they say, okay, Boomer? They did say that. That's <laughs> In the film, yeah. <laughs> this is is maybe the first uh, recorded instance of the phrase "Okay, Boomer." I, I Disney, was, about Disney that. was ahead of its time. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think uh, we're talking about how the mice in uh, uh, Cinderella. It, it even though they're not the main characters, their scenes don't detract from the story. Yeah. Um, I, f I'm, I feel like uh, the scenes with Boomer and Dinky feel a little out of place, not going to lie. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. I can kind of respect yeah. comic relief, but maybe if they were a little shorter. I, I'm not really sure what narrative purpose they serve, or like thematic purpose, other than, oh, it's, it's Tigger <laughs> as a woodpecker. <laughs> uh, I did notice this is the third movie this week to feature a talking owl. And there will be more still, because Bambi has one. There's another Winnie the Pooh movie with one. That is true. I really like Big Mama. I, I think she's a, a really good character in this that uh, not a lot of people talk about. And yeah, she's, she's, got, she's nice. Yeah, a good singing voice, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, much else I can think about, yeah. other than... Uh, and uh, the scene where he's trying to impress the the girl fox, and like he gets flustered because he fails at getting the fish, and like he's angry that uh, she's laughing at him. His version of an insult is, "Oh, what do you know, female?" Ooh. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, so oh, biting. Oh, <laughs> a female. God, Texas fox. Come on, Todd. This is a kids' movie. Nah, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm imagining the scene where they where they meet and uh, Jimi Hendrix's foxy lady plays in the background. 
Even when uh, characters are animals, they still always have that default uh, Disney hero, like heroine face, with like the big eyes and the the dainty smile. They, they all have, they all have that same face. <laughs> Even Elastigirl has it, and she's crazy. <laughs> very. I like I like consistency. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's much else to cover with this movie. Uh, um, mostly, think, mostly good scenes. That one heartbreaking scene that everyone remembers. I like with Op. It's a mostly good movie, but people only talk about that one scene. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of hard for me to choose between uh, this and Winnie the Pooh. Honestly, I feel like this is one where the two are close enough, and it, the winner isn't obvious enough that we can talk about who we picked and why before saying the results. Yeah, I think I went with, uh, I do remember going with Fox and the Hound, uh, just because it kind of did hit harder, and in terms of story, it felt a little bit more structured. I understand that, you know, that's kind of the charm of Winnie the Pooh, but it was it was a close call, like, by a hair. Yeah, yeah, I felt much the same way, but I also went with Fox just because it hits so hard, and and when it is good, it's really good. I, uh, well, it looks like I will once again have to be the dissenting opinion. While it was a very close battle for me, I ended up going with Winnie the Pooh because I, those characters are so charming to me and they mean so much to me. Like they, they hold a special place in my heart and yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's just, it feels so good to see them back in action. That's fair enough. Totally yeah, fine. and there won't be another Pooh movie, so we might get another chance. Uh, yeah, and I don't want another Christopher Robin movie. I want a, like, a straightforward Winnie the Pooh movie. That's what I want. <laughs> All right. So... Get Jim back as Tigger, for God's sake. Don't get somebody else as Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, let's get into this voting. I'm very, very curious about this one. All right, Winnie the Pooh got four votes. Fox and the Hound got six. Damn, that's really yeah. close. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a lower turnout around here. I guess there was because there wasn't like an all-time classic in there. But right. yeah, very very close split here. And if also I, the second double-digit seed to win. Hooray! I'm fine with you know what I'm fine with that. I can I'll ex, I'll accept that uh, L. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. That that does it for this week's voting, and we are now done with the first round for Class B. Yay! All right. So so let's do a quick recap of what the round two what the round two matchups are going to be in this class. It'll be a while before we get there, but it'll be nice to get a good idea beforehand. All right, so the first matchup is going to be the one-seed Fantasia against the eight-seed The Princess and the Frog. Mm. I might need to rewatch Fantasia yeah. or at least snip it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you can watch that in fragments. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> There's an intermission scene, actually, so you could just pause right there. That's true. There you go. All right, um, then we've got the 12-seed Treasure Planet against the four-seed 101 Dalmatians. I'm predicting another upset there. 
Uh, guys, that one's going to be really hard for me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember you gushing over 101 Dalmatians last week. Yeah, this really like both of those movies. It's going to be hard to choose. Yeah. yeah, well, the further we go, the more competitive they get because they'll be higher seeds against higher seeds. Yeah, exactly. kind of getting the obvious losers out of the way with this first round. And mm-hmm. uh, speaking of interesting matchups, uh, the next the next round two for Class B, it's going to be Frozen versus Cinderella. Oh, sh- oh that that's a very fitting matchup. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's almost as fitting as uh, Mulan versus Snow White in Class mm-hmm. A. I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, oh, yeah Mulan. I wasn't here. I wasn't yeah. here for that one. <laughs> yeah, Mulan's going up against Snow White, uh, original Disney princess versus uh, epitome of badass Disney princess. Yeah, that's gonna be that's probably gonna be the most interesting one so far. Yep, but... and uh, and then we've got Fox and the Hound versus Dumbo. Okay. Uh. I haven't seen. I've never seen Dumbo. I've only, I've only seen the pink elephant scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I've ever seen oh. from that movie. The, uh, you, the, you, the, you uh, seen the only part of the movie you've seen is the one that doesn't even make sense in context. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's the context: they're drunk off their ass. There you go. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Like maybe just I, like maybe I've seen like a snippet of the uh like the lo- the lullaby scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that, that scene's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. My mom, I've offered, whenever we uh, watch Disney movies as a family, sometimes I'll be like, what about Dumbo? And my mom will be like, my mom will be like no, no, I am never watching that movie ever again. Like, keep it far away from me as possible. <laughs> it's like, wow. yeah, I get it. That's, that's, I get it. Wow. <laughs> it's the remake. Yeah, I I understand why my mom would was not want to watch that any yeah. ever again. Yeah, I actually I actually forgot that they remade this. Yeah, <laughs> it's Uh, Danny DeVito was in it. That's all you need to know. Right. Oh, now I have to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but as for Class C, what are the matchups for next week? All right, the Class C matchups for Week Five. All right, the first matchup, we have the one-seed Pinocchio gets an automatic buy. I'm kind of surprised that this of all movies got a one-seed. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean it's, it's, the second, it's the second movie, so I guess it's a lot of, uh, criti- a lot of uh, critics are really into it, I guess. Yeah, and it's also kind of grimdark. Critics kind of love the grimdark. Uh, I'll be. I look forward to when we uh, finally talk about that movie because uh, I have uh, many uh, different yeah. opinions. On it. Yeah, it's a, a fun fact. It got a ninety-nine on uh, Metacritic. Wow. Yeah. We're not using Rotten Tomatoes, but it holds a hundred on that. Of course, it does. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, Rotten Tomatoes yeah. was a little too limiting for this tournament uh, metacritic is better because it's a weighted average right and that's i think, I, I think imdb works the same way that's how i know yeah. what uh the best video games are yeah imdb has an algorithm so yes all right um i, I think rotten tomatoes has that but you kind of have to look deeper into it it's not as prominent 
trying to right. go deep it's down just the rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> yep. just gotta anyway, dig a little. Just gotta dig a little deeper. All right. All right. Eight seed versus nine seed. The rescuers versus Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Okay. Um, I ha- I haven't seen the rescuers in a the long disappointing time. Disappointing sequel versus the somewhat forgotten first movie. <laughs> oh, I I will be very um, shocked if. I don't think the rescuers is better. <laughs> I'm just yeah, gonna like that. I said, and like I said in week two, the difference between the first rescuers and the sequel is night and day. So watching I've, this one after I, the sequel is gonna be pretty f- interesting. I have I have heard things about Ralph breaks the internet. I'm waiting yeah. to see if those things are true, but uh, oh, yeah. that, that's gonna be a ride. I forget Cinderella and Frozen. Rescuers versus Ralph Breaks the Internet is actually probably the most fitting thematically matchup we've had so far. <laughs> oh, I'll... Like, I'll... The, the, wor- the worst halves of, like, di- diometric film franchises. Hmm. All right. So, anyway. Five seed versus the 12 seed. We've got the three Caballeros versus Fantasia 2000. Three Caballeros, the only package, the highest-seeded package film, and the only one other than Ichabod Mr. Toad to draw the high seed. That's true. The surprisingly high meta score got it up this high. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think Saludos Amigos was the lowest seed. It was uh, 14 in Class A. Right. But- Anastasia. Fantasia. (laughs) Wow, I don't know why I called it Fantasia. (laughs) Fantasia. Um, I haven't seen that one, but I know that people are split on it. Specifically because, like, one half of it is good, the other half is garbage. It's a mixed bag. It has eight shorts like the first, and they're all over the place in terms of quality. Yeah. I I have seen the Rhapsody in Blue segment. I've mentioned That's this before. One. It is incredible. Um, I th- I might just vote for it on principle based on that. But and they use the I'm best not- arrangement of it. I think they have the James Levine version set to that. I think that arrangement they use really brings out the jazz. Yeah. In that I think blue. yeah. I think they do cut out part of it though. I think there's because there's a pretty lengthy uh, piano solo. Uh, before the soft part mm-hmm. that I think gets cut out from Fantasia 2000. But, I mean, that piano solo extends it to, like, 18 minutes, so right. I can see I can see why they might have used this abridged version. Still sounds amazing, though. I love right. it. All right. And four seed versus the 13 seed. We have The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh versus Make Mine Music. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who you are. <laughs> uh, there's there's absolutely no way I can be a fair judge on this one. The first Winnie the Pooh movie was... It ranks up there with, like, Toy Story and... Uh, now, pretty much only Toy Story as, like, a childhood-defining movie. Same. It might just win the entire thing... 
purely off of that alone. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes it pretty far. I definitely expect it to beat Nine Music, and probably yeah, it, it the winner. Probably beat your yeah, probably beat the winner of uh, Fantasia 2000 and Three Caballeros. Yeah, Sweet Sixteen wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I mean, it would have to go up against uh, probably Pinocchio because I don't see it beating the winner of Rescuer. I don't see it losing to the winner of Rescuers versus Ralph Breaks the Internet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that... but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see this next round. Yeah. Um, it feels like um, we're starting to get towards uh, admittedly the lower end of the Disney movies, but that's when I think that's what makes it's probably going to make the discussion all the more interesting. True. Well, I mean, we still got I mean, we still got that mix of high and low seeds. I mean, we haven't even touched upon we haven't even touched upon some of the Renaissance movie or some of the other classics. Yeah, exactly. Also coming up through Class C is going to be your first 15 seed. Chicken Little versus Aladdin. It's going to be... Gee, I wonder who's going to win. Oh, boy. Not all of them can be winners, right? Yeah, I mean... Speaking of Aladdin, uh, one thing I forgot to say about Winnie the Pooh, you guys know that Eric Goldberg is a very famous animator and one of the guys that... He was the character designer for Genie from Aladdin. Um, I was wondering why I liked Rabbit so much in Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Goldberg was the main animator for him. Huh. Yeah, in the new Winnie the Pooh movie. So I, that would explain how, how he was, uh, all his like wacky uh, hand motions like during the scene where he was trying to give hand signals and Winnie, the Pooh, Winnie and Piglet just waved at him. <laughs> That's neat. Anyway, yeah, just just a quick aside. Yeah, these are aside from aside from uh, Winnie the Pooh, not a whole lot of heavy hitters. I think that's going to make for some very interesting results. Yeah, I I definitely have uh, a little bit of preemptive watching to do for this one. And it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I've only I've only seen uh, Win- the Winnie the Pooh one all the way through. I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it again though because I love it so much. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that too. I also only saw Make My Music as shorts individually, not the whole package. Oh, so yeah. I'm not missing much. The best one though is Willie the Whale. <laughs> yeah, that one, that's another one of those Disney moments where it's like. Come on! Why do you get it? That's not fair! <laughs> Come on, Disney! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I know nothing about Make Mine Music other than that Mike tells me it is a worse version of Fantasia. It kind <laughs> of is, but, but it has its moments. Yeah. It has one uh, short in there. Uh, it's like a baseball short that feels pretty Looney Tunes-esque. Yeah. Is it? And, uh, is it Casey at the Bat? Yep. Yes. I've seen that one. Yeah. There was um it, it was pretty it was very entertaining, uh, from a comedy standpoint. And uh I also like Peter the Wolf because it was narrated by Sterling Holloway. Yeah, the wolf used to scare the bejeebus out of me. 
and I like how each of the characters were represented by instruments. But oh, oh, I'm getting ahead yeah. of myself. I, right? I I have seen that. I have seen that one too in a in a music class I took in sixth grade. Uh, we're definitely ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might want to save this for when we actually watch them. But yeah, we'll discuss each short individually. Yeah. So it doesn't seem. Doesn't look like there's a we have a very uh, glamorous week ahead of us, but uh, hopefully it'll lead to some interesting discussions. Yeah, that's good to me. Cool. All right. Um, I think that just about wraps up this session. We've gone uh, nearly an hour and a half. So yes. yeah, uh, Frozen, like Frozen and Cinderella definitely took up a lot of our time, but I mean, so did everything else. This was just a lot more interesting week than I was anticipating. Like the Frozen and Cinderella are fighting each other. Jesus Christ, yeah. that going to take like two oh, hours. That is going to be that's going to be massive. Hopefully, we can get more people involved in that, but not yeah. so much that it overloads the server. So we can get like different opinions in. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, that does it for this week. Uh, thank you for listening in, and I will see you next time. Take care. Take care. We'll be back soon. Back soon. We'll be back soon. <laughs>